so, okay. Um, so that's the deal with the homework. Does anybody have any questions? Okay, great. Okay. Joshua. Okay. How many people, if you go to church here, when you were listening to Kara's announcements, thought, man, I can't wait to be get in our new building <laughs> where all our doors are appropriately locked and unlocked and we don't have, we can have bathrooms where like you're going right now, everybody has to go to the bathroom because she just said you can't go so many places. Like I immediately went, mm. anyway. Um, so that is one of the reasons um, I'm excited about studying Joshua at the moment when our church is about to move into a new building. And um, the Israelites in Joshua are about to move into their, their earthly home. It's not their forever home. Just like 207 Broadway is not our forever home. 237 Broadway is not our forever home. But it is our earthly home for our church family. And so I want us to have that in the back of our minds as we learn about God and about God's people and in this transition time, because we're about to go through a transition. And that's why I titled this study Home Sweet Home, because just like those announcements underscore, oh, I cannot wait to be in our own house. Just like if you rent or maybe if you camp or if you live in an RV, you're like, I can't wait to where you know the toilet flush is right or I get to have a bed that I can fit in or whatever it is just like we're just like feel the need they felt the need to because they've been wandering in the desert for 40 years so what I want to do is just introduce Joshua as a whole and then we'll talk about Joshua 1 I don't know if any of you still have these from last year they're actually over there you can buy one for like five bucks and it's called it's just a Bible timeline and what it does is just gives you an overall picture of the big story of the Bible. And so before I, especially in the Old Testament, before I start a story about Joshua and the people of God, I want to, where does that fit into the big story? If you are a Star Wars fan, you may watch these like the Mandalorian show or my kids will say, oh, this is about, you know, when Yoda, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, where does it fit in with the stories I know about the Star Wars? You know, the basic ones that came out in the 70s, you know. Um, and so sometimes you have to kind of back up and go, where do all these stories and how do they fit together? And so that Bible timeline kind of helps us find Joshua on the big story timeline. If you remember, and this may seem very basic, but we have studied as a group, starting in Genesis a couple of years ago, through to Joshua. So we, you should be somewhat familiar with the stories I'm about to talk about. But in Genesis, Adam and Eve were made, and they messed things up. They, sin came into the world, and that's when the story starts. In Genesis 3, God says, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna send somebody. And eventually, by around Genesis 12, we see a man named Abraham. And God says, I'm going to use you to save the world. I'm going to use you. You're going to bless the nations. And then, as we see Isaac and Jacob and the 12 sons, and we studied, you know, all that at the rest of Genesis, we see how God has taken a family to use to bless the world. Well, now that family, once they had been in Egypt for years, like 400 years, now they're like a people. And God is now saying, I'm going to use this people 
and a nation, a country, to spread my light to save the nations. Now, if you fast forward through the timeline to Fort Worth in 2022, he's saying, I'm using my church to spread light to the nations, to save the world. And we are part of that plan in Fort Worth. And I don't know, I just get chills thinking about it. That's how compact the story is. But if you do a deep dive along the timeline, you get a lot of information about God, about how God's people are, and the plan of salvation, and how good God is, and how holy He is. And Joshua is no different. So the reason that we're looking at Joshua is not just to say, oh, I've got another book on my belt, but to learn about God. Because the end game is for us to be in a forever home sweet home, a forever place that we can never get kicked out of, never lose because of our disobedience like they did. We are going to have a new heavens and new earth one day. And so what we're going to see pictured is that also. So we're in the story and it's a time of huge transition. The people of God have been wandering the desert for 40 years and the man, the goat, greatest of all time, Moses, has just died, okay? Um, He, in Deuteronomy 34.10, it says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, okay? And he just died? Why did God do that? Why did God take away the goat? right when they need him okay they're about to go fight a war and do a conquest so anyway come on in come on in just find a spot um so sorry i'm getting so hot this end of the room is just really hot um so but even the goat messed up okay moses sinned if you remember and struck the rock in anger or didn't do it the right way just lost his cool And God said, you're not going to get to go in the promised land either. Okay, can you imagine? Can you imagine all that work? I mean, it's like I told Fred, our architect, I'm doing all this work on the building. I'm not going to have a window in my office. This does not feel right. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Joshua has to step into some pretty big sandals, right? And so as the people of God in this huge transition, can you imagine us all moving to Broadway and Andy and Brian said up we're going to Hawaii for the next year you'd be like what wait 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 what it's so imagine the kind of transition angst that's happening and for Joshua to be the person that has to do this job is a lot and think about how excited though they were that all the years of this promise of I'm gonna give you this land you have a promised land and they're actually going to be the people that do it. It's like Christmas morning. It's like just waiting. And although we've been waiting and waiting, that's nothing to compare to how long they've been waiting for their house. So they're going from this nomadic people to a settled people. And like the promise of Genesis 12, I'm just going to read it just to make sure it's on our brains. This is what God told Abraham that is happening now in real time for these people. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so this is kind of one of those verses that sums up the covenant. And covenant is a word for agreement. And we talk about God's made a covenant with with us. And he made a covenant with these people throughout the Old Testament that basically is this. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. We're going to have a relationship. And I'm going to give you a place. And in this case, we see the place is going to be real land the land of Israel, and I'm going to make you into a people. Just as God is a Trinity God, three in one, and a relational God, he, His people are relational. It is not just a solo act if you're a believer. You are part of a group, part of a church. So those three P's of covenant, presence, God will be with us no matter what. I'm going to make you into a people and I'm going to give you a place, okay? So that's kind of the big introduction of where we are, the big story. So now I want to take us, and we're going to deep dive into the themes of Joshua, just the book as a whole. So God is keeping a long-time promise as we open up Joshua. This patch of land, um, and there's a map on the back of your handout. And it kind of compares, for those of you who love geography, present-day Israel with what this Joshua's Israel was. It gives you an idea of where it is in the world. Um, One of the commentators, uh, Dale Raff Davis, said, we need this example. You know, we're like, oh, like when we read the Bible and like this, 400 years just flies by, doesn't it? For them, that was a long time to wait on a promise. And then they had to wander for 40 years. I mean, and if you look at Abraham and Sarah, they've been long dead. This is a long time coming, right? We think waiting a few months to get into our new building is a long time. That's nothing compared to this. But Davis says, we need this example because we too are waiting on a long time promise that when Jesus left, about 2,000 years ago, he says, I will be back and I will take you to your new home and I'm building it right now. And we are waiting too, right? We need to know our God keeps his promises. And we're going to see that in Joshua. We're going to also see that this covenant relationship has blessings and curses. Um, There is this blessing of this new property, this new land, and just the blessings that that would bring to them. But there's this this shadow over it of, look, if you stop obeying me, if you stop being in this relationship with me, I'm going to take it away. And we know by skipping to the end of the Old Testament that that's exactly what happens. They did not obey in the land. You know, we too benefit from collective and individual obedience. Our church is better when people stick to God's word. We all hurt when someone disobeys God's word. We're one body. If you look at the churches in Revelation that had lost the lampstand, it's because they had not obeyed. We still see this theme of this is yours. You are my people. I have given you blessings. But don't, don't, don't forget them. Don't, 
Don't not love them. Don't leave me the giver. And I got to say that disturbs us. And we're going to talk about that over the semester. So please feel free to let that bother you. Like, wait a minute. I thought God loved me. God does love you. All of these blessings come after you're his child. But just like any child who disobeys, they experience the coolness. They experience the lack of enjoyment of being part of a family when they're in time out or when they've lost privileges. Think about if you are in a relationship with someone, say you're in a dating relationship and your boyfriend cheats on you. You can forgive them, but it feels different until they really apologize, right? <laughs> it feels different. It doesn't feel like they want to be in the relationship with you when they're still cheating, right? And God gets his feelings hurt when his people cheat on him. So we're going to see that warning over and over in Joshua of this is yours to enjoy. Don't screw it up by leaving me and my word and that warning. Um, we too experience that now. The third thing that is just one of the things we're going to see is the hero in here is not Joshua. It's not Moses. It's God. He's the one that's doing it. They are his servants, and he's using them to lead his people. But this is a different leader, Joshua instead of Moses. It's a different congregation because all but two of the people died out that had escaped Egypt because of disobedience and not having faith. It's a different congregation, different leader, same God. Same God. Just like today, we have different leaders, we're a different congregation than they are, but we have the same God. And that is really good. We're going to see how we learn things about God that do not change. And one of these is that He's holy. We'll see, we'll really see God in this book. And um, we're going to see how holy He is and how things matter to Him. Like I've said before, we're going to see how He keeps His promises and how good He is, that He is giving this unworthy people such a delightful gift but we're also going to see how God is maybe not nice there are going to be some really hard passages and we're going to really question is this the God I love this doesn't seem to match the Jesus in the New Testament especially that shepherd picture we see of him all the time which has done more damage to the Bible than anything I know of <laughs> I'm just kidding but um, just the idea of what we think of as God, you may, you may be uncomfortable, and that's okay. We're going to talk about it. Um, it's kind of like in Narnia when the three kids are questioning, um, and Susan, I think, asked the beavers, like, is Aslan scary? Is he nice? And he's like, nice? He's a lion. What do you expect? No, he's scary, <laughs> he's, but he's good. That's, that's the, what we're going to see about God, our hero. But we're also going to see because he is so holy and because we are so apt to sin that we have a big problem. We have a big problem and we're, we really see the gospel and the need for salvation and what faith looks like in Joshua. So I'm really excited about that. Um, lastly, and this is also from Davis's commentary, this, this book, we, in this book we see a hinge and the first 22 chapters are about God's faithfulness. If you boil it down with all the this war and that war and this person and that person, it boils down to God is so faithful to keep this huge promise. 
And the last two verses, two chapters are about our response to that faithfulness. How will they respond to this grace and this gift? And actually, by the end, Joshua challenges them. He goes, look, I'm going to follow God. What about you? And they're like, oh, we'll follow him. And he, against all good evangelism notes and doctrine, says, I don't think you are. I don't think you get how bad you are. We're going to see this gospel message of why we need Jesus and how do we respond to this offer of relationship. So let's actually read Joshua 1 right now. Turn in your Bibles and we'll read it. And then we'll talk about, now that we've kind of covered the big picture and then the themes of Joshua, we're going to get down to chapter 1, what's happening. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my son, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given to you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brothers armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the land which the Lord your God has given them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words, and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Okay, so... Who is this Joshua? I'm not going to go through all of this. It's in your homework. But you know from reading Exodus and Numbers that he was Moses' assistant. He was his right-hand man. 
he was up with Moses when the golden calf episode was happening. So he wasn't part of all that rebellion. He also was one of the two spies that came back saying, we can do the promised land the first time around. So he is one of two that survived all the unfaithfulness of the desert people in that time of God's people. Um, you know, it's interesting that when Moses uh, wrote the Pentateuch, you know, Jesus studied that in the Torah. So he studied all these people. And he, when, don't you know that when he read Joshua as a child, I wonder how much he was looking at himself and how Joshua would lead a people out into a new promised land and the need for a leader to do that. So what kind of leader was he? Well, he's identified and commissioned by God and by Moses. He walks in God's word. He is dependent on God for success, and his confidence is grounded in God's promises. That's the kind of leader we need to have, y'all. And so be that, keep that. We need, if we're in places of leadership, that's what we need to be like. How we look at our leaders, we need to look for those kind of things in following people. But by the end of the book, Joshua is called servant, just like Moses was. And what is his task? His task is to take this huge people who are, can have a tendency to complain and be grouchy and rebellious across a huge flooded river. <laughs> That's his job in Joshua 1. No wonder God has to tell him to not be scared and to be courageous. He also, once he crosses, it's not over. He has to lead them into battle to have a conquest of the map of the people. And these are people who are not necessarily can be brave and smart at all times. So just imagine, imagine having to take over the promised land with this bunch of people and seeing how they had treated Moses. And then he's got to settle the people in the promised land. So he has to cross this flooded river with all these people. He has to have a conquest, like fight people and kick them out of the land. Then he's got to make sure the 12 tribes get situated so that they can keep it. That is a tall task, y'all. But I want us to just look as we close at the overview of what is important in Joshua 1. Instead of just walking through what's happening, I stole this from Davis's commentary because it was so good for me. It helped me really see four main things that are happening in Joshua 1. First of all, the vitality of God's promise. Y'all, it's happening. I just hear, I hear them all thinking, it's happening, folks. The thing we've been waiting for is actually happening, and them pinching themselves. They're going to a real place. If you look at verse 2, it's like, Moses is dead, Joshua is here, now let's go. There's no waiting around. There's no, let's just think about it a little more. It's, we're ready to obey. And verses 3 through 4 give you a sense this is a real place this is a real place with real rivers and real patches of grass and real flowers and real honey and really really real things and God doesn't promise us just to be spiritual he promises real things that new heavens and new earth is going to be fabulous it's going to make this earth look like a dump Okay, and it's going to be real. It's not just us floating around on stars and sky and clouds, and you know, it's going to be really fun. 
And, and so I just love that feeling of that vitality of God's promise. And then the encouragement of God's presence is the next thing we get a big sense of. In verse 5, he's telling them, be strong because of me. I will be with you wherever you go. God is going to be with Joshua and with the people that you is plural. And you can't get away from God. You can't get away from him if he's your child. And that is so such a secure feeling. The third thing is the centrality of God's word. In 7 through 8, it says, keep the word of God in your mouth. I mean, it is like day and night. Think about God's word. Remember what Moses taught you all those years. And if you follow closely with it, you will prosper. He gives him the way to prosper. The information he needs is in God's word. And lastly, we see the unity of God's people. In verses 16 through 18, we lo- I love how they all replied with one voice. And they're like, we're with you. We are backing you up. You just do what you're supposed to do, which is follow Jesus. Well, Jesus, follow God, okay? You are our new leader. And isn't that what God wants from us now, too, this unity as God's people? So, yes, this is a very exciting moment in their history, and I'm sure they were pinching themselves. But also it's an exciting time in our history of Trinity Presbyterian as we move into this new building. And I want us to think about God in the same way. The vitality of his promise to, to give us what we need. The encouragement by his presence that he's not going to leave us just because we have a new building. The, cert, the centrality of God's word as we face issues over there, as we really have our, as the word of God is challenged in the world today, that's going to be anywhere we are. But as we move and we have new neighbors and they're asking about ourselves, like what, what do we stand for? We need to be ready. And central to that message has to be God's word. But also the unity of God's people. Because nobody wants to believe something they don't see the people following, right? And they're not going to believe us if we don't love one another and have unity. But the best thing, the thing that's the most important thing, is when we move to our new building, just like when they moved into the promised land, God was their hero and God was who they were. They were a light to who God was in the neighborhood. In the new promised land, people knew now about God. And so that's one of the main things we take with us in our transition is God. God is a light to the nations. God is the way of salvation. Jesus as the lover of our souls that makes us want to obey. So for that kind of thing, I need the same words Joshua needs. I need to be brave. I need need to be courageous because I'm a wimp just like a lot of these Israelites were. I can be very wimpy and I can be scared. But with those promises, we know we can go in together. And you know, 207 West Broadway is not the end game. We're not going to just be like, we're at home now forever. It's just this pit stop. It's another place we see tastes of the real home, the home that he's given us in heaven with him. So let's stick close to him and our new church building as we taste that forever promised land. Let's pray. Lord, you're good to us in that you, you show us how it looks like to transition. And we see what faith is going to look like, what, 
what believing you looks like and what the actions based on faith look like in this book. But Lord, we can't do any of that without you. So we, we accept and trust your promises to be with us and never leave us. We trust your word that it is the way to prosper and to be safe. We trust that it's the way to enjoy you and enjoy being a church body. And we mainly praise you for being our hero and our leader. And I pray that we would follow you and that, and even in the hard passages of Joshua, that we would trust you and that we would love you. Um, I pray for the small groups as they get to know each other, that they would be inclusive and friendly, but also sweet and kind and just they would get to know each other. And this would be a place where relationships are built based on your word and based on a common goal of honoring you and enjoying you forever. In Christ's name, amen.